0: Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya sita janthavah paratra Yamayatanam upagataṁ ta eva ruru bhutva tatha tam eva-vihim-santi-tasmāt muravam Ityahu vur iti iti-sārpād sattva syapati Translation. In this life An envious person commits violent acts against many living entities. Therefore, after his death, when he is taken to hell by Yamaraj, those living entities who are hurt by him appear as animals called Rurus to inflict very severe pain upon him. Learned (coughs) scholars call this hell Rola. Not generally seen in this world, the Ruru is more envious than a snake according to Sri Swami, the Ruru is also known as the Bhāraśrīna. then there's a quote which is from Sri Swami, presumably. Āti krūrasya bhāraśrīndākha Satvasya Apadesha saṅyā. Śrīla Jīva Goswami confirms this in his Sandarbha. Ruru-shatyasya-swayam-nuninaiva-tika-vidhina-lokeshva-pasiddha-evayam-janthu-visheshah. Thus, although Rurus are not seen in this world, their existence is confirmed in the Shastras. First of all, as probably many visitors to New Dwaraka say in their <coughs> classes. Uh, I'm very happy to be here in New Dwaraka Dham, where the presence of Srila Prabhupada is very strongly felt, especially if you don't come here every day. <laughs> I mean you tend to get used to it, isn't it? Familiarity breeds in this case not content, but Familiarity, more familiarity. Yeah, uh, Śrīla Prabhupāda, of, of course, spent so much time here, so in that way, Śrīla Prabhupāda's presence is felt, and also because the uh, attempt to maintain the same mood as Śrīla Prabhupāda inculcated, or what's the word? We need a new word. This. The things which spiritual people do, which material people don't do. So, just by his presence, the spiritual atmosphere was, uh, always there in Shula Prabhupada's presence. So, in this new Dwaraka Dham, the attempt has been and is to keep Prabhupada in the center by following his instructions and distributing his books and therefore we feel Śrīla Prabhupāda's presence here. Śrīla Prabhupāda was once asked, I think Mukunda Datta, but who knows by who, is Bhagavad-gītā spoken on the hellish planets? <laughs> this was in London, this question was asked, so Prabhupāda, he replied, I'm speaking here in London. <laughs> so Mukunda Datta Prabhu told me that I'd be speaking on the hellish planet. So I told him, no, I'm speaking in New Dwarka. <laughs> so outside, it's Southern California. The Southern California branch of hell. And inside it's the new Dwaraka branch of the spiritual world. Anyway, we're supposed to be speaking about hell here. <laughs> Fire and brimstone. Well, it's interesting that our Vaishnava acharyas, they don't emphasize hell. It's Hell, according to Vaishnava understanding, is not as serious as... Uh, Christian or Islamic understanding because you don't go there forever. You can come back. You won't go. I won't go there forever. Uh, envious people go to hell. Yes. Horrible, isn't it? As Srila Prabhupada points out in one purport, uh, people, they doubt the existence of hell. But even on this planet hellish conditions are seen. Now generally we wouldn't think Southern California is hellish and there are more hellish places. Uh, we see hellish species we can see in this world and uh, yeah, probably uh, much of Iraq and Afghanistan the situation there is quite hellish uh, due to the present military situation. I'm not going to make any political comments. Here. Um, envious people are sent to hell and there they're attacked by Rurus. This particular hell is called Rorov from which appears to be derived from the word Ruru. Rurava becomes Raurava. Ruru is so envious, more envious than a snake. If we see the eyes of a snake, just the eyes are very envious. The eyes of a snake or a crocodile, or a cat for that matter. Just look, seeing the eye no, is extremely envious. You don't want to, you don't want to get uh, too close to them, but once in a zoo, I happened to be in a zoo in Copenhagen for some reason. Oh, we went there to chant. So I don't know. Sorry. We could come very close to the crocodile. Extremely envious look in his eye. Now, as in the papod, Srila Prabhupada quotes Jiva Goswami that rurus are not seen in this world but their existence is confirmed in the shastras. In other words, we have to accept what shastra says. That we may not have seen a ruru it's not seen in the world, but they are in hell. There are such creatures in hell who are extremely uh, envious. That means they envious means they like to give pain to others. The snake that is called cruel because sometimes for no re- no apparent reason they may bite someone. In Mayapur, I remember years ago this was. Santosh, our gardener now there must be so many gardeners he uh, he told the story of yeah, in the hut they lived in his family so the Bengali family means so many people at least in those days and uh, some his sister-in-law or someone there'd be so many people sleeping but in the morning they woke up and found her dead The one woman who was sleeping right at the right in one corner. There were so many lined up, and uh, it was seen she was dead, and the marks of the the punctures of the snake had been there. So she was bitten by a snake. So the snake to reach her, he must have come in and gone past all the other people and bit her, and then come out again, without anyone even knowing anything. You know, a snake is extremely cruel. Why exactly that happened? They didn't know. Jai told me, so years ago, this was, I think, one of the first, maybe the first flood in Mayapur, that... Uh, One man had been in a tree above the flood level. He was waiting there for days to be rescued, several days, in the cold and rain. And he was on one branch, and on another branch just close to him, there was a cobra wrapped around the branch. So any time he knew the cobra could bite him. But the cobra didn't, so they coexisted (laughs) for several days until a, a boat came and rescued that man. And just as he was getting down into that boat, having survived the, the, the flood and the, the cobra hadn't bitten him, so he thought he felt some kind of kinship with the cobra having been there for several days and just touched him to say goodbye. It was a stupid thing to do because the cobra bit him and killed him. Right. <laughs> so, that's the, no reason to, it's like out of friendship. He just, I guess touched his tail or whatever, but, he didn't live to tell the tale. Someone else told it for him. So, uh, snakes we see, very cruel, because they, uh, for apparently no reason, they give uh, harm to others, they even kill others. So, an envious person, like an envious person means, for no particular reason, they they like to give pain to others. They, they take pleasure in giving pain to others. This is the the lowest limit of consciousness, the lowest consciousness possible to to take pleasure in giving pain to others. This is the lower limit of the of the mode of ignorance. In the mode of ignorance, generally people are just uh, not very conscious at all, but unnecessary anger Brithimsa let's mention one of the has one of the characteristics of Kali yoga meaningless violence so people who without any reason just that they take pleasure in seeing the suffering of others Paraduka they're very happy to see others in distress uh, such persons they go to a hell where they get uh, appropriate, reciprocal punishment. They, we'll see all these hells that describe that according to what you do, you get that kind of punishment. So maybe people, they go from one hell to another, to, uh, if they're poly-sinners, or <laughs> multiple sinners. Generally people, they don't just sin in one kind of way, they generally sin in various kinds of ways. So those who are envious, they are treated to a spell in a hell where a creature more envious than a snake uh, gives them their requisite punishment. A creature more envious than a snake because a human being can be more envious than a snake. Sarpat krurat, kalah krurat. Sarpat krurat Srila Prabhupada used to quote sometimes the chanakya saying that a snake is cruel and a cruel man is cruel but a cruel man is more cruel than a snake because mantroshadhiva dhiva sarpa by mantras and application of some medicine or some kind of uh, yeah, something like that. Some, uh, chemically made goods. The, this, this snake can be taken under control. But, kala kim, what is that? Kala kim na be avat. There's, the envious person, there's nothing, you, there's nothing you can do. You chant some mantras and we see that sometimes the, uh, envious people, mm-hmm. we chant and they become, they're already envious and they become more envious. It's very commonly seen. I don't know so much now, but certainly previously, uh, in the when we go for our chanting, public chanting, that people they become upset, very upset, just because we're chanting. Maybe because we're happy. Some people become very envious. Devotees are, are happy. They don't like to see others happy. So the guru. Uh, is, uh, who, who will punish the sinful people? Snake's not. Snake is just, you know, the in- probably the uh, envious people, they'll eat up the snake. <laughs> <laughs> I was just in Rome, I heard a, a joke, like a black joke you could say, that the, the gladiators, well, no, not the gladiators, what, the Christians, they were thrown to the lions, and they said that well nowadays if you throw the Christians the lions the lions might be more afraid because the Christians are such so expert in killing animals and eating them so uh who will who will punish the envious people then there has to be someone more cruel than a snake more cruel than them and here it said that those living entities who are hurt by the envious people they take the role of... They, they become rurus. So it sounds like a very complex chain of karma. If someone is... if someone is uh, victimized by an envious person, then they get the chance to inflict more pain on that envious person by taking the position of an... ex they become extremely envious. So that's why... It's it's extremely dangerous for someone who is mistreated by someone to think that I am mistreated to bear a grudge and to desire to uh, what's the word? Give them reciprocal, requite their uh, revenge. Yeah. This this if you think that ah, if, uh, if only I just very, if I get the chance. Of course, we see the Pandavas; they had some motive like that. Bhima especially, but that's when we hear about the uh, devotees who apparently have uh, lower motives or, or mundane motives, we should not think that they do so in the same way that mundane materialistic people do. Just like Bhima, he was so angry, he had anger in his heart for 13 years. He was just dreaming of the day when he could drink to Shashen's blood. But we shouldn't think that this is some mundane envy, but rather he's so angry. He's holding that anger that my queen Draupadi, the great devotee of Krishna, she's been so insulted. These people, the Sons of Dhritarasya have taken the role of rulers of the world, but they have so much misusing that position, setting such a bad example. In this way it should be understood. Rurus, we don't see them. lokeshva Prasidha. But they are understood to exist due to the... Uh, the very fact that they are mentioned or described in Shastra means that they exist. This is the point that Jiva Goswami makes and the comment that Srila Prabhupada gives. Srila Prabhupada he always uh made the point that what I am saying, Srila Prabhupada would say is on the basis of Shastra. We cannot speak beyond the the basis of Shastra. In nineteen sixty nine, I believe it was when the first men landed on the moon, Śrīla Prabhupāda didn't believe any of it, even though it was shown live on TV, and Śrīla Prabhupāda was watching it. He didn't believe it. And Purushottam, his servant at that time, didn't believe Śrīla Prabhupāda. You see, it's, uh, the whole world is celebrating the the one small step for man and one great step for mankind. And Prabhupada was just laughing. This is all nonsense. Uh, and Purushottam went away. He became black-faced. More black than Jamuna when the ghee caught on fire and her whole sari and face became covered with soot. So, which happened at the same time. So, Purushottam, he went away and Prabhupada's comment was that I can understand he might not believe me, but how could he disbelieve Shastra? Srila Prabhupada was surprised that Purushottam would not believe Shastra. Of course, no one in the world believes Shastra, especially outside India. That's why sometimes or outside the Hindu community. That's why they, they, sometimes they call it Hindu Shastra. It's considered a, a dogmatic or sectarian religious tracts. But Śrīla Prabhupāda always presented Shastra as we understand it to be, to be truth. Shastra is a, a record or transmission of that which is factual. So Srila Prabhupada was surprised that Purushottam could not believe Shastra. And we might be surprised that Srila Prabhupada was surprised because Purushottam was, after all, just echoing the uh, sentiments or the conviction of all of the rest of the world except
1: Prabhupada.
0: Although times have changed. <laughs> But at that time, it, everyone thought they'd been to the moon. <coughs> Pretty much everyone. Even the Chinese, I was told, in uh, when I was living in Thailand for some time, I was told that the Chinese had stopped worshipping the moon. was the Chinese in Thailand, because they thought it would become uh, contaminated by the Americans going <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but Prabhupada expected the, that at least his disciples, they've come so far, they've, they've changed their lives and taken initiation. Srila Prabhupada didn't think that it's on the basis of what I said, but they've done so on the basis of what Shastra says. Prabhupada didn't come and say, well, I say this, this, this and that, and uh, you should believe it. Srila Prabhupada never presented his message in that way. He always presented, this is in Shastra, therefore it should be accepted. And I should be accepted in as much as I am presenting Shastra. And this is the standard that Śrīla Prabhupāda gave and that distinguishes him from uh, so many bogus gurus and in India today almost all of the gurus or so-called gurus, they're all bogus even though they may present a few lines here and there from Shastra, but they don't have any uh, systematic approach to Shastra, system of checks and
1: balances,
0: by which their message can be understood. They basically talk all nonsense, and mm, sometimes throw in a... some of them throw in a few words from Shastra here and there. But Srila Prabhupada's approach was quite different, uh, that he presented himself as a a channel or a medium of presenting reality, the truth, because he is presenting what is in Shastra, as is understood through the disciplic succession of perfect Acharyas. And what is the perfection of the Acharyas is that they speak Shastra, and they follow what is in Shastra. Shastra is the center. We say guru, sadhu, shastra, but shastra is the center. Guru or sadhu means one who speaks what is in shastra. Guru is a guru because he speaks the truth that is in shastra and not as is commonly and disastrously misunderstood that because a guru is a guru Therefore, whatever he speaks is the truth. There's a lot of difference. That it's not that anyone can just say whatever they like, and he has a rubber stamp on his head called guru, or he's self-appointed, or appointed by someone as guru. As guru, and therefore whatever he says must be true. But rather, because whatever he says is true, therefore he's a shast. He, he's a guru. And we can know what he says is true because it's there in Shastra. And therefore he quotes Shastra. <coughs> now, interestingly, uh, yeah, how to understand guru, sadhu and Shastra? Because apparently there are contradictions. Well, the gurus come to re- to uh, resolve doubts that we may have. Apparent contradictions. Apparent contradictions. Uh, so how we can understand the contradiction. Shastra Yuktye Sunipun Dhrita Shraddhaja Uttamadhikari Shaitareye Shansha. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, described a an Uttamadhikari as one who, uh, Shastra Yuktye Sunipun. So Srila Prabhupada, he, uh, translated this as one who is expert in presenting arguments on the basis of Shastra. <coughs> Another meaning of Shastra yukti. Yukti is a, a word like related to yoga. So it means one who can, and also, Shastra yukti sunipun means, can also mean one who is very expert in Harmonizing the statements of shastra that may appear to be uh, disharmonious, he's a harmonist. The, the English magazine of the Goriamat in the days of Pratisiddhant Saraswati was called the Harmonist. He, the harmonist, the, the topmost devotee who can uh, show the harmony in the statements of shastra. Even though two persons who are disharmonious with Krishna, the statements in shastra may appear to be disharmonious. So shastra juptee shunipun drisha and who has uh, firm faith is an uttamadikari who can uh, deliver the whole world. Now, uh, yeah. Therefore, we need. Sh- Sadhus to describe or present shastra to us. The shastra is was uh, presented by Ved uh, by various rishis, among whom Ved is the uh, ultimate rishi. We can say Chakara Bhagavan Rishi. It stated about Ved Rishi. He made or uh, compiled the Shriman Bhagavatam, he's described as a Rishi. Also in the second verse of Bhagavatam, he's described as a Rishi, one who reveals the scripture. So, uh, here Vedliyas presents Shastra, but it is, is, Shastra is never meant to be a do-it-yourself, teach yourself the truth in thirty days. Become self-realized in thirty days. Do-it-yourself book. It's never meant to be do-it-yourself. Shastra is meant for being taught of course there's also swadhyaya there is also self study that's part of shastric study but that's too traditionally that's meant to complement the uh teachings which are heard the shastras to be heard and explained by the gurus who uh Just like Krishna, the Guru, spoke to Arjuna, and apparently Krishna went over the same subject again and again. Many of the topics Krishna repeats in somewhat slightly different angles, different ways, until his disciple Arjuna has got it. Again and again, Krishna has to go over the different points. What is, even at the beginning of the eighteenth chapter, Arjuna is still asking this, Uh, More or less the same question he's been asking all the way through, that what is the difference between uh, this uh, tyaga, renunciation and sannyas. So Arjuna's still, you know, the the whole point which you just couldn't seem to get at the the beginning of the, uh, that how can one be renounced and work in the world? So Krishna, he takes that from various Anglo discusses this in various ways as are other points. Uh, in the beginning he establishes how the soul is different from the body. Then again throughout Bhagavad Gita he discusses this in various ways giving more detail about how this is so. And various other points such as Krishna's own superiority, uh, how he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krishna reiterates this throughout Bhagavad Gita so it's not uh, the, the shastra is not presented in uh, what we might in the modern age consider to be a very systematic manner it's it's not like a point a point b point c uh, it's it rather it flows and the different points are taken up and then dropped and then discussed again in in another context uh, there's a reason, one of the reasons for that is because the Shastra is never meant to be like this, do it yourself, teach yourself. It was always meant to be explained in this way and, and various teachers of Shastra who are known as gurus they teach their disciples according to the ability of the disciples to understand according to the uh, they may emphasize more certain points or in certain perspectives because different disciples and especially in different times, places and circumstances have differing prominent misconceptions. That's why we'll find that Śrīla Prabhupāda took up the misconception of... He spoke a lot on the misconception that life has arisen from matter, which is nothing new about this idea, it's not that uh, Charles Darwin and company invented all of this. But uh, Prabhupada particularly took up that point because that misconception was particularly strong in the world and uh, among his disciples. Had been uh, they or we had been drilled in this, or, or, or raised in a culture in which that was an accepted as if it is a fact. So like this, different gurus take up different points, different acharyas take up different points, different misconceptions. Uh, Actually, they're all more or less the same misconceptions, but they get draped in different dresses throughout the ages or or presented in slightly different ways. So, uh, Shastra is to be understood through the Ah, uh, yeah, this point I wanted to make. That uh, Jiva Goswami, Śrīla Prabhupāda quotes here that we have to accept the existence of rurus because they are mentioned in Shastra. And Shastra here states that rurus are animals of hell. But Bhaktivinara Thakur in one of... Was that the Dinājpur speech? I, maybe I, I didn't check it. That uh, he said in one speech that or in some writings, now recorded in writing that the descriptions of yeah, it must be in in that speech he gave about the Bhagavat. that was his (laughs) hmm? notes on Bhagavat. Bhagavat. I don't think it was titled because we see different titles for that lecture Uh, it's published Um, yeah, it was uh, Bhakti Mano was publicly coming out of the closet as a Uh, His first, practically first declaration that now I am a Vaishnava, which was quite surprising because no one of his status at that time was Uh, modern at that time modern English educated uh, Bengali, and he was what the uh, British and then the the Hindus themselves and the Brahmas, they had the Brahma Samaj, they, they considered Vaishnava Dharma to be the pits, that this is the, the, the whole, uh, Brahma Samaj of which Bhaktivinoda Thakur was somewhat partial toward at one stage, uh, apparently, one of the main uh, reasons that people left the Hindu fold to become Brahmas was because of the uh, Vaishnav religion, as it was known at that time in Bengal. So Bhakti Thakur came out as a uh, supporter of the Bhagavat, Sriman Bhagavatam, and therein he stated that the descriptions of hell as given in the Bhagavat, he said they're not real actually. So how do we how do we understand this? Bhakti Anutakos says they're not. Re- of course, there are many things that Bhakti state stated, in, especially in, it seems in his earlier writings, Sri Krishna Sanghita, which is uh, much misquoted and misused by members of ISKCON since it's been published. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, the what's considered the definitive book. On Bhaktivinoda Thakur, this Hinduism's encounter with modernity by our, well, he was initiated by Prabhupada, so, uh, Shukavak, but he's not speaking as Shukha should speak because he has a, uh, he has a non-parampara or oh. understanding of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So, uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur wrote in this way, it appears in a time when uh, the Bhagavat was considered, as Bhagir Thakur uh, writes in his in the opening words to that speech, the Bhagavat is uh, considered by various people in various ways, but in none of them very highly, except among the low class people who, uh, liked to read it? It's considered this, uh, Vivekananda Srila Prabhupada quoted called Vaishnavism a sex religion. So it was considered, uh, the Bhagavad was considered a treatise that promoted, uh, immorality in the name of religion. And it was mostly uh, low class and foolish and not edu- uneducated people. And in that time in Bengal there were two classes of educated people traditionally educated, that means in Sanskrit, and they'd mostly be Smarthas, Uh Smarta, Brahmins, and the modern English educated. So neither of them had a high opinion of the Bhagavad. And it was mostly and they were also educated in Sanskrit, there were the Goswami class, but they were mostly uh if, if, if there, at that time education was going down among the Goswami class also, the professional, the uh, caste gurus, Vaishnav gurus, so uh, they also they they, 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 they collected disciples, or so they had uh, inherited what's the hereditary family families of disciples, and that. Uh, they were just used to taking dakshina from the disciples and they would, maybe some of them would recite Bhagavat, but the, the scholarship, Vaishnav scholarship was at a low ebb. So it's understood that Bhakti said, yeah, how are we to understand this? That Bhakti said that the, the descriptions of the Bhagavad concerning hell, then they're, they're not actually true. How are we to understand that? When Srila Prabhupada said, he he very much emphasized that shastra is not to be understood allegorically but literally except in passages which are clearly allegorical so how are we to understand this is it Prabhupāda is saying one thing Bhakti Thakur is saying something different yeah in this case they are saying something different but it has to be understood very carefully that Bhakti Thakur he spoke or he in that way for a certain purpose, to bring people the, the, to uh, respect the Bhagavad. In the Sri Krishna Sanghita, he gave a whole chronology of the universe. He, he harmonized these chrono- or the statements of Srimad Bhagavatam with the uh, chronology of the universe as it was accepted at that time among mundane scholars which today even among mundane scholars doesn't fit because the mundane scholars have, surprise, surprise, changed their understanding of the history of the universe. So clearly Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he presented that just to get people to uh, respect the Srimad Bhagavatam and start to hear it. So in this way we have to understand Rurus, do they exist? Well, we will accept. Anyone else outside in the local branch of hell, they don't see rurus here. They see envious people. But they don't see rurus. They didn't see them yet. So, uh, how are we to accept? How are we to get people to accept that? Well, we won't be able to make any, uh, scientific inquiry or, or find a, make a, get a stuffed ruru and put it in the museum. <laughs> the, the, we're not likely to, uh, be able to do that. But Srila Prabhupada, he was very straightforward in his presentation. That people should accept this because it's stated in Shastra. So that's a great challenge for our movement to present this in in a world which is full of uh, quasi, what's called scientific, we could more uh, accurately state to be quasi-scientific, supposed realism, which a lot of the people in the world today have lost faith in anyway. Uh, we have that on one hand, and then on the other hand, we have rampant, imagination or speculation because people who come to spiritual life or what they consider to be spiritual life they think well because it's not, it's not bound by empiricism or even rationalism therefore it spiritual life is more or less whatever you imagine it to be and it's it's just based on some uh, some vague sensations and someone who's advanced spiritually, they, they may say something and well you just believe it or someone makes you feel good and that's spiritual or drugs are spiritual they still say that in the, the hippie generation that was drugs were considered spiritual because they give you spiritual means to come to a, a state of consciousness different to that or, or better than that which we normally Perceive. So drugs do that. <laughs> so uh, on the one hand we have cold hard materialism which just very unscientifically accepts as reality that which can be perceived within the extremely limited uh, range of perception that our senses have. And whatever we can discover through our senses about the universe, the past, the future, they very unscientifically state this to be knowledge. What is that? Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Anything else? Anyata. Anything else which is not within the scope of our senses, that is not knowledge, within the scope of our imagination. So on the one hand you have this very cold, hard materialism. On the other hand you have this just uh, rampant speculation in the name of spiritual life. With Śrīla Prabhupāda's presentation, or the, the presentation of any Genuine spiritual scientist is that there is truth, there is reality. It's reality is not uh, liquid. It, it doesn't just change and take any form that you want it to be. As it's not dependent upon us what we think. Just like people say, well, "I'm trying to, trying to, I'm, I'm searching for the truth within me." Like, it's within me. Why within you? What's so great about you? This whole thing. Find the truth within. Why within? Who, who are you? You're so great that you're carrying the tr- And if, if you have the truth within you, then, uh, how, how come you don't know? Because you're greater than the truth? Or what's going on? <laughs> so, uh, or oh, the truth means whatever, whatever I perceive it to be. Extremely egoistic, uh, so-called spiritualism. Or, or, just based on some feelings or emotions, but Srila Prabhupada always presented Krishna consciousness as scientific. There is the truth, and there is a, a method to understand. There is a methodology, but you have to follow the methodology. There is a, there is scientific, uh, exposition of truth is given in Shastra, but we have to follow the methodology to access that. Just like uh, you can show some book and throw it at someone, some book on uh, calculus. Who knows how to do calculus here? Anyone? Yes, one, two, three, four. Fewer, yeah. So, for anyone else, uh, if you just give them a book and say, here's the book on calculus, work it out. Well, you're not going to be able to do it. But, uh, if you, the book is there, you have to be trained also. And how, on how to, or, or medicine. If someone say, uh, here, cheap heart, you can put up a sign, cheap heart surgery. Yes. bypass surgery, only a hundred dollars. So what's your qualification? Well, I read a book, now I'm ready to go.
1: <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> who will accept it? You have to be trained. So in the same way, Shastra is the method to access reality. But training is required also. So, uh, I was told I could speak unlimitedly and I've already gone. There's no temple authorities here. Ah! (laughs) What is it called? Bhakti the authority. But we have the authority of Shastra. This is the whole point. Srila Prabhupada... Sorry? Oh, yeah, oh, oh, oh. The stomach
2: authority
0: is always there. Yeah, 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 yeah. The stomach authority is always there. That's a very good point when you're talking. When you're talking with Mayavadis, they say this world is false, but when it's time to eat, then they don't say it's false. I have a false feeling of hunger in my stomach, therefore I'm going to falsely go to the kitchen and falsely open the fridge and... Falsely open my mouth and falsely put something in. No, they're on the stage of annamai. They they see they can see reality only as food. So if you say everything's false, well, you're feeling hungry. That's also false. So why, you know, why why spend some of your false money on food when you could just eat stool? It's all false. It's all false, right? So what does it matter whether it's false bread or false stool? In fact, you could have uh, recycling. You just you know. so anyway. That's another discussion altogether. All right. Hellish. You go to hell and eat stool. It's one of the stool. One of the hells. We're not going there. We're not going to go there, but others may do. So any. Point, please. Yes. Does this this should be spoken in the mic? Is it so that the uh, others can hear, including the average seventy listeners on the internet broadcast? They're mostly LA devotees, is it on the average? From all over, is it? Okay. So we understand shastra through the
1: guru. But it seems
0: that we also understand Guru through the Shastra. Yes, we also understand Guru through the Shastra. So which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, uh, what comes first is Krishna. Ravanda Brahmite kono bhagyavan Jeev Guru Krishna prasade pai bhakti latabhij Krishna inspires those who are sincere to a uh, to approach a guru, and those who are not sincere, they may approach a guru who's not really a guru, and they get cheated. Uh, so Krishna inspires those who are sincere not to be shallow in their search for the truth, so that when one approaches a Uh, spiritual teacher or one who presents themselves as a spiritual teacher, one should ask, what is your authority? Why should I accept you? So many people say so many things. Why should I accept you? And they will say, well, this is on the basis... I'm not speaking what I say, but it's on the basis of Shastra. And that... uh, And they can show you what is in Shastra. And, of course, some... When we say no blind faith, but at some point in any philosophical discussion, if there is going to be any discussion whatsoever, there has to be some faith at some level. Without accepting certain axioms, we can't have a discussion with anyone about anything. So, uh, if we accept that, well, this world is ordered, it appears to have a purpose... As Śrīla Prabhupāda presented this in the, when the uh, Mike Robinson of the London Broadcasting Corporation asked mm-hmm. Prabhupāda about the Shastra, Prabhupāda said, it's just like the microphone, the manufacturer of the microphone gives a manual by which you can understand what is the purpose of the microphone and how to use it. So with the creation, with the material world, comes the manual. That's called Shastra so if we we can uh, to a certain extent we have to use our own intelligence to understand that there there should be a controller this world should have a purpose and the fact that we are searching for that means we should be able to find it and the the manufacturer of the universe makes some provision by which we can understand and that is shastra so shastra describes and there should be some experts also who can explain that. So Krishna gives both the Shastra and the Guru. And we have to use our intelligence to access that. In this um, <coughs> second canto, Srila Prabhupada, and there's that long purport in which he talks about how we can ascertain the presence of the soul. And he goes... I was just speaking yesterday Hari Haripal Asprabhu about that. He said this to me, that there are seven stages of which six do not rely on Shastra at all. It's just human intelligence by which we can understand. So which comes first, Guru or Shastra? Krishna comes first. Krishna gives them both. And if we are... Uh, he gives the Shastra by which we can understand him and he gives the Guru by which we can uh, understand the Shastra. And if we're sincere, then Krishna will guide us to a guru who can explain the Shastra to us. So, like I say, there has to be some sincerity also to accept that. For instance, if we want to accept as a a guru someone who just says whatever he likes, well, then that's our foolishness. There'll be initial faith But that will become more... That will become solidified. That's why we have... That will gradually become solidified. That's why Shastra says that we shouldn't accept a guru immediately. We should wait for a year before formally accepting initiation. That means that we do accept to some extent or we wouldn't... Otherwise, we wouldn't go on hearing. If we thought there's nothing here for me, then we wouldn't go on hearing for a year. We'd just move on somewhere else. So there's... One is... Uh, enjoying to hear and go on hearing, and to maintain some reservations for some time until one is convinced that the message of shastra is being presented, and I am understanding my understanding of reality is uh, th- th- is increasing. That this it should appeal to our intelligence also. So who is the arbitrator? Ultimately, our se- the, the disciple in himself is the arbitra, arbitrator of this. But there comes a point when he has to surrender, and then he has to accept. That doesn't mean he accepts blindly. This is a big topic. <laughs> As Arjuna didn't, he accepted Krishna. tehang shadi mangtan but at the same time, he didn't necessarily accept everything that Krishna said without, he wanted further explanation several times. Means he was ready, oh okay Krishna, I accept what you say is true, but, Katame yān, how can I understand, he says, Arjuna to Krishna, that you spoke this previously to Vivaswan. Doesn't seem to make any sense at all. But then uh, Krishna explained, he Arjuna said, how can I understand? He didn't say, come on, you're talking a bunch of rubbish, how could you speak to Vivasvara? He didn't say that. He, didn't, he said, how can I understand it? something, I don't understand what's going on here, please explain it. Yeah. Just one great
2: point on that
0: subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. please wait for the mic to come. All of these points should be... Uh, all of these points should be, uh, studied carefully and presented systematically for the benefit of people of the modern age who like things presented systematically. We see Bhaktivinoda Thakur, who I'm speaking about, he took the message of Shastra and especially, well in several books, but especially Chaitanya Shikamrita, he presented very systematically the teachings of Shastra, how it, how it can be understood. Yes, please.
2: Uh, it's a good thing that Mantata um, brought up this
1: subject
2: because it, it seems that even highly advanced personalities can be fooled at this point. Look at the situation at Mission Those great teachers that assembled there, they was appointed and Sutta as, as the leader to hear from him. He had all the qualifications. The you know, connection to, to Parampara was there. The knowledge was there. Everything is, apparently was perfect. Was Direct right?
0: disciple of the yes, Ramaharsha right, yes, and Sutta.
2: And came and illusion that his heart had not change. Despite the fact that he had all this knowledge and he had the right connection. Mm-hmm. So we have to go beyond just the connection to Shastra. Yes, the Buddha has to know the Shastra, but they are really actually none of the who know Shastra. That's why we're doing not to associate with my by- bodies, because they know the Shastra better than us better than that. They can quote Vedas coming you know, out of their port. But the heart is not changed. The heart is actually hard against the personality of So there has to be the character test also. The character has to be there. To and it may be
0: it may be difficult to ascertain the character, as in the case of Roma Harshan and Suta, who he went through all the motions of doing everything right, but actually he was envious of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Yeah. Thank you for that comment.
1: Yeah, following up on this um, idea that systematic study is uh, appealing to the, to the, this day and age. Mm. You seem to indicate that there's some danger in that process and that it, it, it tends to create one of the assumption that we can conquer knowledge rather than receive knowledge.
0: Mm. Oh, just, I, I'll just interrupt briefly. The Sandharvas of Deva Goswami are system. they systematically present the the thesis of Bhagavatam. Yeah, please continue.
1: Yeah, so, and generally it's not only Shri Prabhupada, but pretty much anyone any traditional mode of pedagogy or instruction is, you know, in South Asia, it tends to be non-systematic, and so I'm wondering if that's deliberate, and if so, how can we how can we present things in a way that's appealing to the modern mind, uh, systematic, without uh, falling that, uh, to that tendency to think that we can really control the process of learning.
0: Uh, I'm supposed to give a systematic answer to that. <laughs> Srila Prabhupada was very expert in uh, in giving, often he gave replies to questions which or in an almost mystical way he would reply in such a manner that the question was answered without directly answering it. And I can't think of anything just off the top of my head, although there must be hundreds of examples of that. It... it to say what is required to destroy someone's illusion is maybe a gift from Krishna, and it can't be systematic. It's just like on book distribution, exactly what to say to someone, so they'll take a book. There's any standard, any experienced book distributor will say there's no lines or formula. You have to turn your rounds and go out and pray. And then Krishna tells you what to do. You, you don't know what it's going to be. I think any preacher also, uh, uh, apart from book distribution or dealing with people individually, we have experience where sometimes we just say the right thing or do the right thing. It might even just be a, a, a glance at someone or it, it, it just does the trick. I Once uh, in Bangalore, after a class, someone's said to me that I've I've been chanting 16 rounds for 12 years but I just can't give up garlic or onions. I've asked so many people and I just can't give it up. And, uh, you know, what's your suggestion to me? I said, I said to them, 12 years? You've been chanting and you couldn't give up garlic or onions? I'm not going to waste my time talking to you. And I just walked away. And that did it for them. <laughs> That's what did it, somehow or other. <laughs> so you don't know. But... But it's very difficult to say because, I mean, even Srila Prabhupada sometimes, we can't say that what he said was the wrong thing, but sometimes the person just wouldn't accept it. Many times, actually. And, uh, they, they would think Prabhupada was wrong or they would remain confused or, uh, it was d- difficult for them to accept it. The proper attitude on the, on the part of the disciples should be that whatever my guru does is perfect, but some. T- Especially in the modern age, it seems it seems that the guru almost has it's like playing some game of phantom boxing or something with the disciple. It's like you know you have to think about their feelings because in the modern age everyone's talking about feelings. You have to be sensitive and all this kind of <laughs> all this new age stuff. You know, and it's, it's not like the guru says something and then the disciple they just do what the guru says. Now why don't you why don't you train your disciple? You know you tell telling. The disciple just kind of calculates and thinks, and it's like a kind of give and take, like like tug of war or something like that. So, uh, so how to deal in situation? Is it probably he said that Ravi Shankar was shocked, and not this present Sri Sri Rascal, but the uh, the Sitaple player. He came to the West. He was sh- he was shocked that people were sitting. With their feet pointing to him, and they're supposed to learn from him how to play sitar. Whereas in India, even most of the or many of the musicians, who especially the tabla players, they're Muslims, and they 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 follow all the culture. Otherwise, you can't play classical music at all. They they'll do the yes. you know they'll prayers to Saraswati and everything. They 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 know all this. But you come to the West, and you get these people. There, and they want to learn, but they have no culture of learning whatsoever, and. They'll, they'll lie down on the floor like this when they're supposed to be learning something. In no culture whatsoever. So how pra- how Prabhupada was able to teach that uh, to such barbarians as Jayam uh, ourselves nowadays. Uh, yeah, well, that's a gift from Krishna, isn't it? The, the systematic is there also. We see the Shat systematic presentation. But again that is meant to be taught. Isn't it? And I wonder how many in the history of I wonder how many in the history of Gorya Vaishnavism have actually learned the Which It's quite a job to go through all of that. It wouldn't have I, I think it may not have been many, a small percentage of Gaurias would have actually studied that from their gurus, but it's really essential actually. Yeah, okay, we really are uh, running over time. I don't mind, I'm free. But... Yeah.
1: Yeah, in some point, uh, point the question that uh, the Prabhupāda said one time, uh, he said, uh, Shira Prabhupāda said one time, don't trust me, trust krishna how do we really he said that? But, oh, krishna Well, that,
0: that's, don't trust me, don't trust Krishna, Prabhupada said. That is actually a theological statement. It's not, it's not a joke. It's a theological statement. We trust Prabhupada because he, again the same point, he speaks what Krishna spoke. It's a theological statement. Now my
1: question. At the beginning of the talk, you were that since the verse is talking about enviousness and different animals and snakes and mm. and uh, I was surprised that, that, you know, when you mentioned the cat, it's envious too.
0: Well, that, that's a subjective... Uh, that's a, Look at the eye of a cat and you'll see it looks like the eye of a snake or a crocodile.
1: So since the Cats are
0: often anyway, in the, the horror movies and this and that is the cats.
1: <laughs> the
0: cats are there. And listen to them at night. I mean you don't have to listen, you'll hear them.
1: So the question was that says good to recommend not to associate with atheistic, you know, envious people. Would the people who shelter or uh adopt cats in their homes? Dogs or
0: cats. People have dogs and cats in their homes. Well, according to Shastra, people keep dogs in their homes. Only chandalas keep dogs in their homes. Although recently in Iskorn, Ljubljana, in Slovenia, in the gift shop, I saw vegetarian dog food and vegetarian cat food.
1: (laughs) And I laughed
0: for about five minutes. (laughs) I think they removed it after that, but they're going to have to suffer me repeating that again and again, because... Even in these days I thought I was I thought I was beyond being shocked, but even I was surprised. I mean devotees do keep dogs and cats, but you know how to encourage it. Yeah, if keeping dogs in the house is for Chandalas. We see who is that? This uh Ranti Dev. Chandala came to him with dogs, saying, We're all very thirsty. This, give us the water which you have to drink. So chandalas keep dogs. <laughs> you keep takoji in your house and fido also no it's, a, it's an offense to keep a dog in a house if you have deities yeah
2: sometimes the uh, vishra charges they
1: say please let me be your dog um,
0: oh that yeah
1: um, they, they don't say please let me be your cat
0: That's an interesting, yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. A cat is always independent. You may say this is my cat, but the cat never thinks that they belong to you. Their their attitude is quite different to that of the dog, isn't it? The dog is uh well that's one good quality of the dog. One Srila Prabhupada, he was talking about the dogs barking at night in Vrindavan, and Prabhupada said they're just a condemned species. There's no use in having any sympathy for them. They're just meant to suffer. But then he said, well, they have one good quality, is that they're very faithful to their master. Hmm. You wanna say something? Uh, yes, yeah, okay. Pass over the mic. I hear
2: all I, I From my faint memory, I remember that on the notes on Bhagavata, Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Which song?
0: Did you say?
2: Uh, in the notes on Bhagavata, the article. Ah, 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 uh, at one point, uh, Thakur, he states like, uh, there are descriptions in of hells in scriptures ah. which are not true. And I guess at some, at some point later in the same article, he says that, but the description in Bhagavata of the hell, they are not of the same kind. As those in the other scriptures, so he makes like two different.
0: He makes it just.
2: He makes a distinction. First, he says that descriptions of hells oh. in some scriptures they are not true. They are just meant to keep people in control of. Oh. And in a later stage, I think he mentions that but the description in bar of the Harris planets uh-huh. are not of the same kind
0: is it
1: all right so maybe you got it i'd have to i have to will have to have a look and see